visiting with us, I'll echo Otis's sentiment. Stick around and talk to somebody. Or somebody will probably just talk to you, and that'll be all right too. But if you are willing to fill out one of those cards, it's on the back of the pew in front of you, so we have a record of your attendance. We'd appreciate that also. Uh, you can just give that to any of the men that you saw up here this morning. We know what to do, and if we don't know what to do, we'll find out what to do with it. But we have made a promise, and the elders are very firm in this promise, that we promise not to sell that information to a car insurance company. Guys, we need to be uh, praying for Sharon's, Sharon Shoemaker. Excuse me. She's still in the hospital, has to have some more tests done. Uh, not quite sure exactly what's going on, but she's been exhibiting some stroke-like symptoms. Uh, and so they're going to be doing some tests on Sharon and everything. So keep her in your prayers moving forward with this. This is always a pretty serious thing when somebody ends up in the hospital from something like that. I want to remind everybody this week, that Everyone Can Sing is this Thursday. If you signed up for that, we look forward to seeing you on Thursday. And the Youth Service Project is this Saturday, and you need to see Nick to let him know that if you're going to be here, is that correct? Nick says, yes. <laughs> he's got work that he's wanting to get accomplished. There's a note in the bulletin about that if you're needing more information. There is a sign-up sheet in the back for the people that like to smoke. Meet. Karen and Joe have got this thing planned out. There's sides and desserts on the list. I haven't actually seen the sign-up sheet. I know they're back there, but I haven't looked at them. Uh, sign up if you're wanting to participate in that on March 5th. The VBS sign-up sheets are undergoing a slight revamp. Uh, so keep your eye out for those when they are made available. Just know that if you signed up in the slots that Amy had on the sheet, because remember last week I said, don't write your name in if there's no room. She's going to be revamping those and getting them put back out uh, with your name in there if you got it in on the slot. So keep your eye out for that to be signing up to help Amy make the most out of VBS this year as we're reaching out. We find ourselves in 1 Peter chapter 4 this morning. You want to put a finger in there. We'll get there in a minute on what we're going to be looking at from the text. Um, but... I like satire websites, okay? I know that probably shocks some of you that I like spending time reading articles from satire sites like Babylon Bee. Uh, there's a military satire site out there called the Duffel Blog. Anybody ever heard of the Duffel Blog? Okay, a couple of us have. Uh, that's also high quality reading if you're looking for satire. But a Duffel Blog had posted an article several years ago that the headline was, Soldier Who Joined the Military for Access to USO Lounges questioning life choices. And the article goes through about how horrible life is for him because he really thought that, you know, if he could just sign up and get the USO lounge privileges, everything would be wonderful and great in all of it. And it points out how people just don't think things through. They don't actually look at what they're about to do and they don't think it through to its logical conclusion. Now, thankfully, none of us here have that problem. Uh, that we don't, we've never gotten ourselves into something that we didn't think at all that, well, Barbara's over there shaking her head no, so we know Barbara's not on that list. But everybody but Barbara has always entered into it, thinking things through to its logical conclusion, and we knew exactly what we were getting into as we were doing it, right? Isn't it strange how that just is the norm, that we are so impulsive that we step into something without thinking things through? 
Do you know that Christianity is approached in that way too? That people will approach their Christianity without actually thinking things through. And what I find fascinating about that is Jesus was very upfront about and plain about what he was asking, wasn't he? You look at Matthew chapter 6, for instance, or 14, excuse me. Matthew chapter 14, 25 through 33. Most of us are familiar with this passage, but he says, Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me, and this is strong language that the master is using here, by the way. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So initially, we have to look at it and go, who do I love more? Because if I can't love Jesus more than father, mother, sister, brother, children, I can't even begin the steps of following Jesus. I cannot be his disciple. He says, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That was just in case we missed the message of hating our own life in comparison to the love that we have for Jesus. Because I think I've mentioned before, in Roman times, if anyone ever said, carry your own cross, we know what that meant. It's death. Okay, verse 28, for which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not, which, okay, I'm gonna pause for a second. I guess tower building was a pretty popular thing back then. People just did it in their yard. I might start up that practice. For whoever of you wants to build a tower and does not sit down first and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider <clears throat> whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all of his possessions. Jesus makes it very clear he is only looking for and will only accept total commitment. This isn't some halfway thing, okay? He wants all of it. He wants all of you and he wants all of your stuff. You have to give it all up to him. He tells us to seriously consider the choice that we're making. Now, I'm convinced that that choice happens every day of our lives. We and probably minute by minute, or maybe even second by second, depending on what we're going through at that given moment. But we're gonna have to make that choice often as we're living our lives as disciples. When you look at the Sermon on the Mountain, our reading that Joey brought to us from Matthew chapter five this morning, right? When he says, blessed are you who are persecuted, you understand the implication of that statement, right? That if we're going to be Jesus' disciples, well, wait a minute, Jeremy. I thought Jesus was only promising blue skies and rainbows, glitter, unicorns, all of that good stuff. What do you mean Jesus is saying, blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake? Yours is the kingdom. Are you telling me that Jesus is saying we're going to be persecuted because we're his disciples? The simple answer to that question is, 
Yes. And so all of this, everything that Jesus is offering, the benefit, the blessing, the cost, the persecution, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is part of the package deal that we call Christianity. Okay? That when you chose to be a follower of Jesus, you accepted the fact and the truth of all of those things that come with it. Now, here's the question, guys. Knowing that that's what comes with it, does that greaten or lessen your devotion? Does it cause us to dig our heels in or does it cause us to turn tail? The reason Jesus says these things are going to happen is not to cause us to be afraid and not to cause us to run away like frightened children. This is here as proof to us, which is really a beautiful concept if you think about it. It's proof to us that our loyalty and service are in the right place. Okay? And since persecution and trials are promised to us in a whole bunch of different places in the Bible, by the way, It should come as no surprise when we are experiencing persecution and trials. And that's Peter's point in our text this morning, okay? That it really should not be a strange occurrence, and we shouldn't think that it's odd when these things are happening to us. So let's join together. We're in 1 Peter chapter 4. All right, we're going to read 12 through 19 is the verses we're going to be reading out of 1 Peter 4. Let's read it together. He says, Beloved... Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you're reviled for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, Those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. So he says, if you're going through persecution, if you're going through trials, if people are literally mistreating you, this is normal. Boy, and how many times have we heard that word in the last two years? I'm so sick of it, I want to chuck it out the window. This is the new normal. No, there ain't no new normal. It is. And what Peter is presenting to us here is what should be the norm in our lives. And do you know why it's normal? Why it's not some strange occurrence when we're mistreated? Because I think I remember reading somewhere the master saying, they hated me, they're going to hate you. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. 
okay? And that is the proof of faith. That's what proves that our faith is in the right place. It answers any doubts. Anybody ever ask yourself when you're going through some difficulty, go, why is this happening to me? And Peter would say, uh, who do you put your faith in? That's why it's happening to you. To prove that your faith is in the right place and in the right person. That this is meant to make you stronger, to encourage you to, in the knowledge that you are doing the right thing. And that this, this difficulty, this persecution, these challenges, these trials, everything that you're going through as proof of your faith is meant to be done to the glory of God. That it's meant to glorify Christ. That our sharing in the suffering of Christ is the result is great joy, right? Look at how the apostles acted in Acts chapter 5. Right? You go back to Acts chapter 5, verses 40 through 42. They took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flog them, order them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then release them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. When the apostles were flogged because of their faith in Jesus, what was their reaction? Yes! Woo! I've got my faith in the right place, man. And what did they continue to do? Continued on teaching and preaching. There was no backing away from it, but their devotion was made greater because of these things. They got to actually experience the proof that their faith is right and good. And this type of suffering, guys, is meant to happen naturally, okay? Just as, as a result of our Christ-like behavior. Now, before I continue, what I want everybody to do is go ahead and reach into your pocket and pull your martyr card out. Everybody's got one, right? You know what I'm talking about, that martyr card that you punch whenever you think you've been mistreated or persecuted. Pull your martyr card out and just set that off to the side because we're going to destroy some speculations about what it actually means to suffer for the name of Jesus, okay? But suffering and persecution is a natural result of following Jesus, all right? But it is not, I hope you picked up on this, it is not to be brought about through sinful behaviors. I love, I love how Peter's like, listen, guys, um, if you're revolved for the name of Christ, you're such a blessing, man. God is glorified. Christ is glorified in this. But let's make sure that we all understand that, you know, you're not supposed to suffer. You know, this isn't suffering because you're a murderer or, or a thief or an evildoer, or, which we can get, right? Some troublesome meddler. None of us have to worry about that one. That it's not because of sinful behaviors. Because here's the deal, guys. If you're suffering because you're a murderer, uh, what's that called? Natural law of the universe. That's what's that called, okay? You, by man's blood shed, man's blood will be required. That was back when God was talking to Noah. If you're suffering because you're a thief, that's just, well, you wanted that. 
That's just how the world works. And if you end up losing friends and and family and relationships because you're nothing but a troublesome meddler, hey, that's a consequence of sinful behavior. You don't get to say, well, it's because I follow Jesus that they're doing this while you're over here meddling around and just stirring the pot. God's not glorified in that. Jesus is not glorified in that. In fact, you're not following Jesus if that's what you're doing. So we don't get to punch our martyr card for those things. It's kind of like this guy in Babylon B. This is the name of the title of the article. Man reminds himself he's sharing in Christ's sufferings after Facebook post gets zero likes. Here's the article. Local believer and sales associate Michael Mayhew is known for his constant barrage of political and religious memes, links, and lengthy text posts on Facebook, which he calls edifying the body. But apparently not everyone appreciates his intellect and deep introspection. Mayhew was painfully reminded of Jesus' prediction that his disciples would experience fiery trials and persecutions in this world Thursday afternoon when not a single person liked, shared, or commented on a profound post he penned laying out his biblical case for capitalism. After enduring approximately one hour of scathing ridicule in the form of total silence from his Facebook friends, Michael humbly commented on his own post saying, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. John chapter 15 and verse 20. 1 Peter 4, 13, as he is said to have repeated aloud to himself as he bravely withstood the continuing silent scorn of his acquaintances. Rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, Michael, he would tell himself. Mayhew met with reporters after he had fully weathered this intense episode. He said, every time someone ignores or unfriends me, it hurts, sure. But then I remember how many people unfriended Jesus. He's saying the bold martyr, adding that he's just trying to focus on the eternal weight of the glory of God that was prepared for him through this trial. Romans chapter 8 and verse 17, Mayhew says, says that we are fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. Lots of people like to leave off that last part. Not me. Guys, suffering that comes naturally as being a follower of Jesus is what glorifies God. We don't get to pick and choose how we punch the card. God does that. And the whole idea that Peter is presenting to us here is cause, it's a basic law of nature of the universe. It's cause and effect, right? When you look at verse 17 back in 1 Peter chapter 4, and he says, it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? That word judgment shows how the decisions we make have eternal consequences. And the emphasis here is not on judgment, but on the result of judgment, 
that eternal damnation comes to the unredeemed. And eternal life comes to the redeemed. Because we've looked at the entire picture. We've looked at exactly what Jesus is calling us to and went, I will pay that gladly. I will do exactly what the master is calling me to and I will have no qualms about it. And I understand everything that Jesus is telling me on this thing. Which actually takes us back to the point that he made in chapter two and the point that he made in chapter three, that there is nothing special about suffering because of sin. Oh, and by the way, you are not being led through persecution because your social media posts don't get likes. In case you didn't pick up on that from the Babylon Bee article. Our task as Christians is to do the right thing. And I think sadly, a lot of the times when we look at this and we think about, and we don't like to talk about persecution, I get it, it's uncomfortable. Nobody likes thinking, well, yeah, there's gonna be persecution in my life because I'm a follower of Jesus. We don't like to embrace the reality of that either. Because how many of us are really good with just being comfortable for the rest of our lives? Honestly, we don't want change. We, don't, we just want everything to be like it was in the good old days, which I know is a lie because everybody enjoys indoor plumbing. We don't want it to change. We just want it to stay the same. Well, guys, is that the Christianity that you actually want, where there's no challenges being presented to you, where there's no growth being presented to you, that there's no proof in your life that your faith is actually in the right place? Is that the Christianity that we want? It's not the Christianity that I want because that's not the Christianity that Jesus has called us to. And so what Peter is presenting to us here is the natural progression of what life looks like in all of this. And, and, and we read it and we go, ah, oh, you know, okay, fine, I'll do it. And we, and we shoulder the burden like it's just a duty instead of looking at it like it's a privilege. That we, we take the afflictions, we take the persecutions, we take the trials and the challenges that come on us uh, just as, well, the master had to put up with it, so I will too. Instead of viewing it as we should be viewing it, it's a privilege it's a privilege to share in the sufferings of our master. It's a privilege to be counted as worthy to share in the sufferings of our master. It is. And that we see it for what God is actually doing through us. It's this, it's this, he's refining us. He's making us better. Because he understands that his glory is shining through on this and that it only gets brighter the more refining that we go through. And we put our full trust and confidence in him, no matter what. Is that the kind of people you want to be? Because that's the question that Peter leaves us with. Are you ready to be the person 
that God has called no matter what. That your full trust, faith, and confidence is in him no matter what. Because that's who he's calling us to be. That's who he wants us to be. And I'm convinced that he has the faith and confidence in us that we can be that people. And think of how brightly our light will shine in Lake Charles when we are that people. Are we ready to do that? To pick up the challenge that Peter lays at our feet and move forward as God's people as he intended us to be, living the life that he's called us to live, no matter what's going on around us, but finding faith, finding strength in our faith as we live for God and Jesus. I love that we don't have to do this all by ourselves, too, by the way. I, I love that we can actually circle the wagon, so to speak, and do this together. That I, I'm not expected to go out there and be the, you know, the lone gunman on the grassy knoll. But I've got all of you here together with me to help me through these things, to be who God's calling me to be. We can do this because, and I think I said this all last year, together is better. We can help each other. You may be struggling with persecution this morning. I would not be shocked at all about it. Let that bolster your faith. Let it increase your desire and zeal to continue being Jesus' disciple. But let us help you share that burden. Give us the blessing too. Let us pray for you. Let us encourage you. Let's, let's be family on this thing. You may be with us this morning and you've seen what Jesus is offering. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is no better offer made to mankind in the history of mankind. That he looks at us and says, hey, you got a big old problem. You know what your problem is? You're covered in sin, you're nasty, you're dirty, and it's just going to ruin you. In this world and the next. But I'll take that sin, I'll pay the price for you. But understand what's coming with it. All the blessings. All the benefits that come with it. But also understand that if you follow me, there's going to be some trouble too. But I've not left you alone. He gives a spirit to help us. He gives us our brothers and sisters to help us. But we have got to make the confession that not only is Jesus the Christ, that he is the Son of God, but that we love him more than anything on this earth. And we love him more than anything on this earth has to offer to become his disciple. If we can do anything for you this morning, prayers, counsel from the elders. The elders encourage you to share those things with us as a body, with them. They'll be in the back to meet with you if you need prayers with them this morning or you need prayers of the body this morning and you're ready to become a Christian. Whatever it is we can do for you, we encourage you to come forward and make that known while we stand and sing.